Hi there, welcome to Tear Jerkers, the podcast that rates movies on a scale of how hard they make us cry. I'm Maybell here with my best friend of 15 years, Kimia. That's me. Today we're going to be discussing Finding Dory and our relationships to crying in general. Are you ready to break down the tear fest that was Finding Dory, Maybell? Let's get started. Let's introduce ourselves to our listeners. This is our first episode. That sounds great, Kimia. So, Kimia, tell me a little bit about yourself. What brought you to this podcast about crying? I was not really a movie crier as a young person, and then I had some sad shit happen, and now I do love to cry on the car, in the shower, in the movies, wherever, whenever I'm ready. Let's go. What's your relationship to crying? So my relationship to crying, I mean, I was kind of like you. I definitely didn't like crying around people for a long time. I thought it was like really embarrassing when I was a teenager. If I like teared up watching a movie with my friends, like that was the lamest thing. But then I also had a bunch of sad stuff happen to me. And I learned that, you know, it's really just better to let the tears fall as they need to, to let yourself cry and feel whatever you gotta so I don't know at some point around when I was like 19 or 20 I started deciding to like cry intentionally Mm -hmm. um and then I was talking to a friend and he was saying like oh I hate crying because it's always like super painful and like it hurts and like your throat tenses up and I was just like oh you know if like you're not stopping yourself (laughs) from crying it actually hurts less um and he was like what So like a week later, he calls me up and he's like, you were so right. Like the next time I felt tears coming on, I like just let them fall and I didn't like try to stop them at all. And like it didn't hurt at all. It felt great. And like now he's like openly crying and he, I don't know, it just felt good to realize that crying doesn't have to be painful and it really helps if you just try to enjoy it in the moment I know that sounds really weird right (laughs) yeah very true though it's it is easy to cry if you're not fighting it I didn't like realize that was an issue people well I guess I kind of did but yeah if if you're not crying because it hurts then you're crying wrong yeah so are you an easy crier oh yeah For sure. I'm probably, I think between the two of us, I'm going to be the softy. I'm going to probably be crying and giving fives out of fives on everything, you know. (laughs) Um, How about you? Do you consider yourself an easy cry? Not particularly. Like, I won't cry at um, commercials or anything like that. And especially now that I'm on, like, hormonal birth control, um, I don't really cry as often as I used to. But if I'm off birth control, then I will um, look at pictures of, like, people being reunited with their dogs or their children or whatever monthly and then cry for those. Those are excellent. Yeah. It's definitely nice to have like a few good standard things that can just elicit a quick tear or two when you need to just like cry one out and then move on with your day, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, like a lot of times I will plan my cries because I know that like I, I'm basically like pent up and I have a lot of like crying frustration, but I haven't actually had the time or energy to like really devote to addressing those emotions, which Mm -hmm. is why I've like come to pick out a few of my favorite media that really elicits like a strong emotional reaction from me specifically to use as like a form of like emotional medication. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's really what it's 
it's about for me. So every few months I'll like flip around between a few different movies or TV shows or even just like a really good cat video. Mm-hmm. You okay. know? Yeah. I like the ones where the mommy kitty brings the baby kitties to the human. Oh, I love those. Oh. Whose fault is that? That's too much. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. No crying yet. Like, <laughs> I don't want to start crying in just like the intro. We haven't even gotten to our first ad break. Is that a thing? Like, are we going to... Um keep a record of how long it takes for one of us to cry during the episode. That would be hilarious. Actually. (laughs) We'll see. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see where it goes. Good. Perfect. That's you're a very organized crier. That's really impressive. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I've never been told I'm an organized crier, (laughs) but like, I think that's going to be how I introduce myself (laughs) in the future. That's wonderful. All right, so it sounds like it's about time for us to take a little break before we jump into the topic of the day. Today's episode of Tear Jerkers is brought to you by Crying in the Shower. Mm, Does it even count if your face is already wet, though? It absolutely does count. Okay. (laughs) Look, okay, it's warm, it's comfortable, it's private, it's loud, no one knows what you're doing. Crying in the Shower is always there for you. Okay, okay. I mean, I'm a little bit more prone for a less private, more public cry, but go on. (laughs) I love to bring a cold bottle of water into the shower if I'm doing a shower cry. Like, you should always drink water if you're crying. It's very dehydrating. But a hot shower, a cold glass of water, and a good cry will turn your day around. It's a transcendental experience. Okay, You know what? I see your point now. Like now that you've added the water bottle into the equation, I can get behind it. Like chugging cold water while crying in a hot shower. I'm there. I'm all about it. You got me on board. Never mind. I'm here for the sponsor. The first time I did this, I think it was like an exhaustion cry. Ooh, yeah. Like everything was all right. Mm -hmm. But I was so, I think I was going through something. I can't remember. And I was like, I was okay, but I was so tired. I see. I don't think I cried the first time I brought the cold glass of water into the shower. I'm still just so inspired by your galaxy brain move of bringing a water bottle into the shower with you. I can't believe I've never thought of it. I'm truly disappointed in myself. (laughs) It's so good. It feels so good. If you're so exhausted, hot shower, cold glass of water. (laughs) Toss a cry in there if you want. That sounds so good. Crying in the shower. Crying in the shower. All right, let's get back from this break. Let's get back to the show. Let's talk about our big topic today, Finding Dory. What's your relationship with Finding Dory? So honestly, I don't have any relationship with Finding Dory. I really have just, I never watched it when it first came out in 2016 because I watched Finding Nemo like two dozen times as a kid to the point where I honestly didn't like the movie anymore because Mm. they constantly played it at like every single party or like youth group thing anything that I was at when I was about 10 years old they played like Finding Nemo so I got really sick of it Mm -hmm. so when Finding Dory came out in 2016 I was kind of like I don't really care but uh you suggested that I watch the movie And I did. So I watched it a couple days ago for this podcast. And you know what? I had a lot of feelings. And Mm -hmm. we're going to get into those. Mm -hmm. How about you, Kimia? What's your relationship with Finding Dory? I did watch Finding Nemo a lot as well. I had a younger sibling who watched, you know, movies repetitively. So I've had a lot of Finding Nemo in my time. 
I don't remember getting really sick of it, but I also think I had probably more agency about whether or not I could pay attention. And then I did go see Finding Dory in the theater with my mom and my little sister, and we all cried. If, you know, if you've watched the movie before, which you should, we're going to spoil everything. Exactly. This is not a spoiler-free podcast. This is a movie about going home and about relationships with parents, kind of. And it was really extra tear-jerking to watch it with my mom and my little sister. I get you. All right, so Kimia, do you want to talk about what happens in this movie so that people know, you know, what events we're discussing? Let's go. At the beginning, Dory is a baby fish, and her parents are trying to teach her what to do when she forgets things. And um, as a baby, she gets separated from her parents, she tries to find them, and then she grows up completely without them. Tearjerker spot number one is when you realize that's happening. Then um, you see her meet Nemo and Marlin, and then you see her remember that she has a family. And then the rest of the movie about is about her trying to get back to them and trying to find them, fighting against her memory loss, uh, and then eventually being reunited. Yeah. Yeah, there's a little, there's a little portion where they, she finds her parents, but then she loses Marlin and Nemo, so she has to find a way to go back to her found family and also bring her biological family along with her so that at the end they, like, have this beautiful, like, met, like blended family reunion. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. So what did you think? Like, what, what were your favorite parts that really just, like, hit hard for you? Oh, like, the tearjerker spots were definitely when you, when you realize that she grows up without her parents and that she, like, kind of forgets them. I also didn't realize that her dad was saying kelp cake in the theater. I thought he was saying cupcake. Oh. But then the, the subtitles totally make that clear that he's saying kelp cake, K-E-L-P, which is very adorable. Mm-hmm. A little bit when... Um, Nemo says, you made her feel like she couldn't do it when Marlin is talking about Becky the bird. And Marlin realizes that Nemo identifies with Becky a little bit and understands Becky more than Marlin does, for sure. Wow, I didn't even really think about it that way. I was thinking about how Nemo was like, you pushed Dory away and told her that the best thing she can do is forget and like just really mm-hmm. twisting the guilt knife. But I, I totally forgot about how Nemo also probably identifies with Becky. Yeah. For a lot of reasons, because Marlon has a lot of issues with like trusting his son's ability to do things because yeah. he has a disability. Yeah. And yeah. Nemo is, has partially like probably identifies with Dory as well, but also has that childlike thing where you just accept people as they are and you Mm -hmm. that's all you got you don't have any reason not to um so I think he does identify with Dory and and that's like a nice reflection of how disability in general can bring people together even if the disabilities are completely different um but that there's a lot more empathy and acceptance yeah I, I did take a little note that I feel like Disney was unintentionally saying like a lot of things about disability and ableism in this movie. Um, I don't know if they said a lot of those things particularly well, but yeah. I did really like the diversity in ability within the movie. Like there were just like, there were, I think there were more disabled characters than there were abled characters. And even though the movie like, uh, is kind of distasteful and how it portrays a few of those disabilities. Yeah, Gerald and Becky. Yeah, yeah, and how they're used for comedic relief. Mm-hmm. But also Becky does end up being helpful, like, and 
So does Gerald yeah, in his way. They both do contribute. Yeah, and also, yeah, so I mean, I don't really look to Disney and expect them to make like groundbreaking social justice commentary, no. but I was pleasantly surprised that, you know, finding Dory, I mean, the protagonist has a disability. Finding Nemo also was about a boy with a fish with a disability. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I did think that there, there was a lot going on there. Um, of course, like, neither of us are disabled so we're probably not the like experts to discuss whether or not it handled everything particularly well no Um, it didn't but yeah it definitely didn't handle everything perfectly but like it it lends more visibility in some ways especially in ways I think that kids are more likely to understand growing up watching like animals that are stand-ins for disabled representation could then hopefully in media in the future if we could actually show people in things with disabilities that's like the next step that we haven't made yet in like Hollywood Mm -hmm. that would be great yeah but I think it's it's laying the groundwork for those kids but I want to take it back to the top of the movie for myself Mm -hmm. I just started fully crying on the opening shot like (laughs) I this is how you know I'm an easy cry they just showed Dory's big innocent eyes and her little baby speech impediment where she says I have short-term memory loss Mm -hmm. I just like I lost it I couldn't hold I couldn't hold it together and like every single time baby Dory would talk and she just like she'd get lost off the train of thought and she'd say like I love and then she just like gets quiet and I just I couldn't control myself. It it was just like oh my goodness this sweet baby Mm -hmm. this sweet innocent animal child I think I'm noticing that I cried more from having like feelings of adoration over the baby animals more than I did over any of the emotional elements. Really? Even more than like the climax of the film when Dory sees all the shells leading to her parents' house. I definitely felt like a shiver, like I got some goosebumps from that, but mm-hmm. it was it wasn't as much of like a tear-jerking moment as just straight I okay. Really? So here's the thing though, like literally the day after I watched the movie, I started my period. Mm-hmm. So we can't pretend that that's unrelated. Right. Like like there's a chance that I was just feeling the like baby tears because I'm, you know, hardcore PMSing. Um This podcast also brought to you by menstruation. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes. Hardcore. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so that might just be like my own thing coming into it, but I definitely did like what they were going with in the hard hitting emotional stuff. It just like, didn't knock me on my, it didn't knock me down as hard as just baby Dory's cute factor, you know? Wow. I love that. I love like hearing that. I wonder what other people have to say about this because like, that part where she comes over the hill and you see all of the seashells leading towards her parents' house and you know she knows what that means and you know she's been following the shells to get there and then it's happening, like, that's it. That breaks me down. That's when I cry. Wow. Um, That's completely fair. That is, like, a really good tear-jerking moment. That's when, in the theater, my mom and sister and I all turn to look at each other like tears in our eyes squeezing each other's hands saying like mouthing I love you like and I I have to wonder because I have other friends who have seen this movie and did not cry at all and I have to wonder like does the relationship with your own parents have something to do with this 
in some way, mm-hmm. in some small part, maybe. Maybe, I yeah. I, th- I find that interesting because, like, I definitely went through a period of really emotionally separating myself from my parents, you know, somewhere around teenhood, which I think is pretty normal going from, like, telling my parents everything to, like, not telling my parents anything. So I feel like it should have hit me a little bit harder because, like, I've gone through the journey of, like, I have a difficult time with my parents to I'm now a young adult who relies on their parents for, like, different things. And then now having, like, moved out and really come into my own, my relationship with my parents is so much better than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, as far as I know about you, Kivia, you and your mom have always been pretty tight. Like, Yeah, yeah, my mom You know, and I wonder if... Go ahead. Oh, I was just, I wonder if that has anything to do with it. If, if the fact that you and your mom have always been close throughout your life is why this movie was much more emotionally hard hitting for you. It could be. I'm like, I'm quite a private person. I don't really talk to my mom a whole lot about my emotions all the time, but I definitely have, you know, relied on her emotionally throughout my life at different periods. And I've had deep and emotional conversations with her, Um, but I have never felt like, I was going to tell my mom everything, but she is a marriage and family therapist. She works with kids. She talks a lot about feelings and in general. So that is, hmm, I don't know what that is. That's fine. But I don't know. It's, I don't know. I, and I wonder what, how someone who's estranged from their parents would react to this movie or who was estranged and then came back or had, you know, maybe a similar experience to Dory was, unwillingly separated and there was love on both sides and then they they came back together yeah I do wonder I mean maybe sometime if we have a guest on who wants to talk about finding Dory for a moment or two during the episode they can tell us I would love to come back to it I if people have thoughts I'll ask around and I want to hear other people's thoughts about finding Dory um, and maybe we can come back to it on the podcast too yeah that'd be awesome I did, I do have to say that one of my favorite parts that was emotionally fulfilling was towards the end when Dory starts to find confidence in her ability to, like, live a slightly normal, slightly uh, abnormal life, as she will always have her short-term memory loss, but she's Mm -hmm. also gotten to a point where she has her family around her. She's probably not going to wander off or get swept away again now that she's an adult, and just like seeing her grow into that self-confidence, that really, that actually like made me shed a tear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the part where you see how many people come together to help Dory, she's reunited with her childhood friends or her childhood friend. And then that friend's friend who mm-hmm. Dory didn't know, but they all work together to help Dory. She meets other blue tangs. I think that's what they're called, right? I believe so, yes. Dory's a blue tang. She meets the other blue tangs who know Dory's parents and who remember Dory, but Dory doesn't know them. They don't have any kind of a relationship. And all those people... Mm-hmm. Come, and and the, the grumpy the grumpy octopus helps Dory like, oh, throughout yeah, the movie, hey. even though he doesn't really want to. Um, but then mm-hmm. he, just, he just keeps going. Every minute he's like, no, I'm out. This is it. I'm done. And then he's right there back to help her out. I loved the octopus. I mean... They're such great characters. I mean, creatures, mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. And I also, I didn't cry, but other people may cry uh, when Dory remembers how she lost her family, when all that starts fitting together and she realizes just oh, exactly yeah. what happened. 
Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I feel like memory flashes are always, like, really emotional, especially when they take a character back to childhood and, like, those moments with their parents that they can't get back again. That, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a very emotional moment, and I could understand if someone found that to be tear-jerking. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about how many memories I have lost as a child that my parents do remember. Like, oh, yeah. I, I remember, when I was a kid, I remembered my childhood, and then as an adult now, a lot of it is gone. I know that there are memories that I don't have anymore, but I know my parents have a lot. And I read something somewhere years ago that people bring their kids to the zoo when they're too young to remember the zoo because it's not about the kids remembering the zoo. It's about the parents remembering the kids at the zoo. Yeah. And how yeah. a lot of childhood must be like that. Like you don't, um, a lot of parenthood isn't just about your kids. It's about watching your kids and loving your kids. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Or are there any moments that made you cry or made you almost cry? Oh, when she, when baby Dory said, would you ever forget me? And mm. her singing just keeps swimming as she grows up. Like, oh, uh, yeah, I, I think mostly baby Dory made me cry. The reunion did make me cry when like her parents hugged her. And, mm-hmm. but I was also like freaking out. Cause I was like, but Marlon and Nemo, like Marlon and Nemo. <laughs> Um, so I couldn't really mm-hmm. relax enough to enjoy the, re- like, emotional release of finding her parents because mm-hmm. the stakes of having lost her found family were still present. You know what kept me going through that was knowing that there was so much movie left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was definitely like, okay, there's like 15 to 20 minutes left in this movie. So We're not done. Clearly, we're all going to get our happy ever after. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, I I think that we've covered all of the things that I've noted. How about you? I have one more. Mm-hmm. Didn't, again, didn't make me cry, but probably would on another day. Mm-hmm. After the climax, when she's looking out at the drop-off, and she has, like, another memory. And thinking about how, um, now that she's reunited with her parents, she'll probably get a lot more of those memories back, or be able to talk about things with her parents and rediscover a lot of her childhood. Yeah. And then Um, as a a non-tearjerker, but really excellent moment is when you figure out how Dory learns whale. Like in Finding Nemo, she says, oh, I speak whale. (laughs) And then you find Mm -hmm. out that she speaks whale because her childhood friend spoke whale, and that's how she learned how to speak whale. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Very cute. I love Destiny. Very cute. Yeah, Destiny's probably my favorite character. Truly, I fully relate to the character with bad eyesight who bumps into everything. That is me. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot see. Uh, My vision is so bad. Um, Anyway, so Kimia, what do you rate the movie on a scale of one to five teardrops? I'm going to hit it at a two or three. I'm kind of still calibrating this scale, but it didn't make me sob. I definitely shed tears at more than one spot. So I'm going to say it's a two or a three. What about you? Okay, I think I'm going to give it a four because I did Mm -hmm. cry a lot, but it was also like mostly just being hormonal and it was less about the content of the film as it was about the character design. So I'm going to dock it one tier drop just for that. Okay. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be a four out of five for me. So how about we take one more break before we hit up the last segment of the show? Does that sound good to you? Sounds good. Who is our second sponsor? Okay, well, our second sponsor today 
is going to be crying in a car. It's much less private than crying in a shower, but you know what? It's still better than just out in the open, right? That's true. I have had my car cries for sure. I love to cry on my commute. Um, what's your experience oh, with crying yeah. in a car? I love to cry while I drive home from like just shitty events. You know, I mm. cried while I was driving home from a really bad audition a few years ago. That one is like very fresh in my memory. Mm. You know, crying while driving is nice because like you don't really have to worry about what you look like, but it's also a little bit vulnerable because like people can still see you if they look into your car. Mm hmm. Which is why it's usually a little bit more private if you do it while your car is in motion, but it's also a little bit more dangerous. I have, like, cried really hard on the freeway and then worried for a minute about how dangerous it is to cry on the freeway. And, like, what if I got pulled over and the officer was like, you're distracted, clearly, and I'd be, like, just sobbing there? What a thing to have happen. I guess, I guess the safest option would be, like, to pull over and cry on the side of the freeway, but also like re-merging onto the freeway is really scary. Um, yeah. And that would just make me start crying again. So That's a tough one. Maybe, maybe crying in a car isn't the best, but I definitely do it. No, no, they're sponsoring us. <laughs> crying in the car is the best, maybe only second to crying in the shower. I will never say a bad word about a sponsor ever again. <laughs> Never again. Okay, let's get back to the show. We are on to our final segment here. It's called What Made You Cry This Week? So, Kimia, tell me, what made you cry this week? Aside from Finding Dory, I don't think I cried this week. Maybe I should go off birth control and then I'll cry oh, yeah. more regularly. I think I kind of, I do miss that. Yeah? I do. What made you cry this week? Oh, let's see. I mean, what didn't make me cry this week? Like I said, I, I was PMSing this week, so I have a lot, lot to say. Um, I'm just going to go with what made me cry this week was something featured on another podcast called Happier but with Gretchen Rubin. Uh, they were talking about a song where a daughter wrote something for her mother using the words that the mother wrote into the baby book mm. that she gifted to her when she turned 18 with all of her baby stuff in it. And they played a little bit of the song, and I was listening to the podcast, getting ready for my day, you know, doing a little bit of my makeup, and all of a sudden I just have tears streaming down my face because this song is just, like, so heartwarming and touching and beautiful, and I was I was a little bit upset, you know, because the name of the podcast is Happier, and they just, like, started made me, sort of made me cry in, like, the middle of my morning, but you know what? It was like a really beautiful song. So I will try to find a way to link to it in the show notes. I want to listen to that. I'm going to find that episode. That sounds amazing. That sounds like it would make me cry. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it'll make you cry. Well, I think that's all, folks. Tell us how Finding Dory made you feel by hitting us up on Twitter at tearjerkers underscore pod. And join the conversation with other listeners on Facebook at tearjerkers community. And if you want to send us a voice memo with your movie nomination and why that film made you cry, you can send that to tearjerkers.podcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on whatever you use to listen to us so you can help other movie criers find our podcast. And don't forget to subscribe or favorite so you can be sure to catch the next episode where we'll discuss the Iron Giant. And if you could please tell your friends about this podcast, tell someone you know who loves marine biology about this podcast. Or if you know anyone who cries when they see otters, tell them to listen to us. 
Tearjerkers is produced by me, Mabel Shimizu, and co-hosted by me and Kimia Ranchbaron. The wizard behind our intro music and the editing hero of this podcast is Gage Pryor. You can find more of his tunes at soundcloud.com slash Please. Thanks for listening, and go tell the grumpy octopus in your life that you love them. Thank you.